You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to Locked On Balls. It's your team every day. I'm your host, Eric Kane, and as we try to do each and every Friday, round of applause. We have made it, everybody. Throughout the work week, we got Friday or Saturday on the horizon, and gosh, it is a scorcher after Tennessee football practice Saturday morning. I'm going to try to hit some water somewhere, but nonetheless, we got another episode of Locked on Vols to kind of cap uh, the work week. Got a fun show coming up. We've got uh, scrimmage notes and tidbits uh, here in segments one and two. We'll hear from Josh Heupel on what he thought about uh, Tennessee's first scrimmage of fall camp, who stood out, who did not, all that good stuff, some things I've heard from people around the program, all that here in segment one and two. And in segment number three, I teased it yesterday a little bit. I caught up with Ryan Tracy. He's the host of Locked on Chiefs, and we kind of did a crossover segment that I'm going to play here on our show. He's going to play on his show about Trey Smith. So that's kind of the rundown here for a Friday show. I'm your host, Eric Kane, again, a radio personality in Knoxville, Tennessee, a writer for the VolQuest.com website. That's Tennessee Rivals, covering football and recruiting. Also, I want to remind you about the Locked On SEC Podcast. Host Chris Gordy of Sports 790, only place you get all the news and information on the SEC five days a week. You can follow the Locked On SEC Podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, Rob, before we get started, I want to thank you guys so much. The numbers have been incredible this week. I know a lot of that has to do with Tennessee Fall Football Camp. If you're new to the podcast, hope you stay, hope you enjoy it, but thanks so much for taking the time and hanging out with me. All right, so let's get started. Some scrimmage notes from Thursday. We were not privy to watch the scrimmage, so we you know, heard from Josh Heupel as soon as it was over at about 11.40 a.m. on Thursday. And Josh Heupel kind of opened it up, and really the, the big takeaway from his press conference was the defense won the day. The defense is improved. The defense is playing better. And it was defense, defense, defense. Now, I'll have a big question about just that overall, but that's coming up in segment number two that we're going to dive in and discuss, and I don't want to give it away right now, but as far as the defense, you know, what does that mean for the offense? Well, Josh Heupel, again, had some nice things to say about the offense overall, but didn't string it together the way he wanted to in scrimmage number one, and that's kind of expected. First, we'll get to some audio, and we'll we'll have some thoughts on on all that. Uh, I want to play... A defensive clip from Josh Heupel on pretty much what the defense did while they were impressive so far in this scrimmage. Here's Josh Heupel on the defense from Thursday morning scrimmage. Yeah, I like the the attitude mentality that that our players have stepped on the practice field every single day with, uh, certainly leading up to the the scrimmage. I think that's been one of the positives as as we have gone through camp. Uh, Our competitive strain uh, is completely different than it was during the course of of spring ball. Uh, The ability to put back-to-back days together. Um, I thought today, physicality-wise, just on the sideline, not getting a chance to watch the tape, I I thought the defensive side of the football was extremely physical, changed and disrupted uh, the offensive uh, front, uh, played on the other side of the line of scrimmage, and again, they tackled extremely well. You didn't see many missed tackles during the course of play. So that's some good stuff. That's some stuff you want to know. I mean, I've, for one, have been you know up here talking about how the defense is going to struggle this year, and I still think that overall it's going to struggle. But you want to see improvement. You want to see guys getting better and guys developed and coming together as a scheme. That's on the defense. Here is what Josh Happel had to say about the offense. He starts out with talking about quarterback uh, Joe Milton, of course, one of the two transfer quarterbacks vying for the starting quarterback job. He then goes on to talk about the other quarterbacks as well, Hendon Hooker and Harrison Bailey, and about the offense overall in the scrimmage. Here is Josh Heupel on the offense. 
I thought he managed things really well inside of the pocket uh, for all, you know, for, for Joe and, and Hendon and for Harrison. You know, some of it's tough because you're not in a live situation. Are they going to make a play? Are you going to be able to get out of the pocket? Those types of, of scenarios. I thought all of them did a great job of, of taking care of the football. We're efficient in, in calling it for the most part. I, I thought their decision making and, you know, what we're doing in the run game and, and controlling the pass game too was, was pretty solid. Uh, at the end of the day, I don't think uh, offensively we collectively strung things together the way that we need to. Uh, some of that is just 11 guys all doing their job at a really high level. It's not one position, one guy. Uh, it was a little bit of everything at, at all points in it. Um, uh, you know, through the first seven days, I, I thought all those guys have competed really well and really been sound decision makers. And that's where you hear that quote from Josh Heupel, we didn't string things together the way we need to. And that's kind of where I'll start the discussion. Uh, of course you didn't. It's it's scrimmage number one of a new system, a new scheme. You don't have a set quarterback. You're running an up-tempo, high-octane offense. Of course, scrimmage number one of fall camp isn't going to be as crisp as you would like. All right, that And, and that's a reason why I think the defense kind of took advantage. Now, usually... Usually, early on in camp, the defense has the edge already because defense is reactionary. You line up, of course, you have a scheme, you have gap responsibility, you have coverage responsibility, you have every play responsibilities, but it's reactionary. You are reacting to what the offense is doing, whereas the offense is going up there, getting the correct split, getting the, the correct signal and all that stuff, and, and trying to run a specific play uh, you know, from, from the old playbook. And so that's why defense is usually ahead of the game. So if the offense went out and balled out in scrimmage number one, I think... Uh, I think it would be really, really bad sign for the defense. But so it's good to see that the defense went ahead and stepped up and had a had a decent day. Now, in conversations with people around the program that I've talked to, I, I think a lot of it was the offense kind of stepping all over itself. Um, there was penalties, pre-snap penalties. Uh, there was not able to sustain drives. There was some three and outs, kind of kind of stuff like that. And of course, it just wasn't a crisp showing because it was scrimmage number one. Um, you know, and, and so did the defense, defense, you know, took advantage of it for sure. So, you know, that's kind of the takeaway here from scrimmage number one. Um, from people that I've talked to, guys that look good in Thursday scrimmage, and again, I'm not there, okay? I'm just talking with people that are my sources from, you know, in and around the program that, um, you know, have eyes on it, and, and whereas I don't. And so uh, things I've heard from that scrimmage on Thursday morning. Jimmy Calloway looked good. Cedric Tillman looked good. Byron Young looked good. Roman Harrison looked good. Tyon Evans, Brandon Turnage, and Warren Burrell are looking good. And Aaron Willis, freshman linebacker, which is which is really interesting there. Um, I've heard that Joe Milton had a long touchdown run. And again, that's another added wrinkle to this offense that I think Joe Milton and Hinton Hooker can take advantage of. And that Darnell Wright is still kind of getting used to left tackle, and that's you know, that's all expected. But I will say this. It's, it's a big move for Darnell Wright, and we haven't really talked about it on this podcast yet, but it's notable he has been at left tackle repping with the first team all week long, whereas Dane Davis has been flipped over to right tackle to kind of learn those ropes. He's been repping behind Cade Mays, all this uh, you know, coming off the K. Ron Calvert injury from last Friday. Asked Josh Heupel about, or we asked Josh Heupel in the media, it wasn't me, I forgot who it was, but about Darnell Wright, his adjustment to left tackle, because again, Darnell Wright has never played left tackle in college. He's barely, you know, gotten by a right tackle a little bit. He's underperformed. How is Darnell Wright fitting in at left tackle? Josh Heupel's answer might might surprise you. Here it is. 
I think Darnell's really natural uh, on the left side of it. Um, for him, he's athletic. He's got the ability to bend. Um, has a chance to be an elite pass protector uh, as well. And so uh, overall, you feel good about where those two guys are at on, on your edges. He says it's a natural fit for Darnell Wright. He could become an elite pass protector. I mean, hey, if you're a Tennessee fan, you want to sign up for that every day. And if you're Darnell Wright, you want to sign up for that every day because that's where you make your money at the next level. Darnell Wright, again, has all the ability in the world, has great feet, he's strong, he's dropped some weight, he looks better, he's leaner, I think that can allow him to move a little bit better, but left tackle is a tough responsibility, and you know they're, they're charging Darnell Wright to try, to try to man that spot over there on that island, and so it'll be interesting to see. Still getting, I've heard that he's still kind of getting adjusted to it. It's not perfect yet, and again, it shouldn't be. It's it's essentially week, couple days in full pads, week two of fall camp, first scrimmage. Uh, it will come in time. I mean, it, it's going to be, and it's something Peter Burns said on the podcast the other day. It's it's amazing how much more coaches know about their team in October, obviously, than they did, you know, the first you know week or so of practice. You continue to learn and learn and learn, mold, mold, and adapt. A couple more notes on the scrimmage. I heard that the offense, more of the offensive woes from Thursday morning. Communication was an issue. Uh, the offense wasn't communicating well with one another. Penalties, again, which a lot of that led to pre-snap penalties. A lot of uh, you know behind-the-sticks type first-down situational plays. But um, where the offense had trouble sustaining drives uh, you know, down the field, or the offense looked better in red zone situational football. So, again, those are some notes that I've gotten from people I've talked to getting it from here, getting it from there, all that type of stuff. I Again, I can't say this enough. I was not there, okay? I'm just trying to relay some information to you guys from some people that I trust um, about what is going on there. And, hey, newsflash, it'll be the same way on Tuesday as well. But um, Josh Heupel, very pleased with the defense from the scrimmage. Still, he had a lot of good things to say about his offense, but Josh Heupel as an offensive coach will never be satisfied, much like Jeremy Pruitt as a defensive coach, he'll never be satisfied with, a, with his defensive efforts. Think about all the things going against the offense right now. Again, I'll mention it again. New players, new scheme, no set quarterback, up-tempo offense. It wasn't going to be perfect in scrimmage number one. So uh, that's my thoughts. That's my notes on scrimmage number one. We will come back in segment two, and we will go over the big question on what should we take away from the scrimmage, and we'll also hear some more audio from Josh Heupel. But first, I'll remind you guys about a new sponsor for the Locked On Podcast Network. That is Sweatblock. We talked about it yesterday. And it's doctor-created, doctor-recommended. It works up to seven days per use. Okay, Dry shirt guaranteed. If the Sweatblock doesn't keep you dry, you get your money right back. It's featured and tested on the Rachel Ray Show by Firefighters. Bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years, over 13,000 reviews. It's manufactured in the United States. Listen, guys, wear what you want to wear, okay? Your little secret to the confidence, this is a must for everyone's toiletry bag, whether it's a big presentation at work, it's a hot date on a Saturday night coming up. Everyone can benefit from sweat block. We all know that guy or gal, you know, it might be yourself listening right now that just gets in situations where it's like, oh, you got the back sweat. Oh, man, it's you're sweating through your shirt. You, you get self-conscious about it. Put all that to rest, okay, with sweat block. Again, it works up to seven days per use. It's incredible uh, what this new product can offer. And again, it's a proud sponsor here on Locked On Ball. So if you're interested in sweat block, okay, if you or someone you love is dealing with this, you need to check it out. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com, promo code locked on, or you can visit it on Amazon or CVS. Again, 20% at sweatblock.com using the promo code locked on. Check it out, guys. It's sweatblock, it can make a difference. <laughs> 
March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Segment two of a Friday show. Welcome back into it. This is Locked On Vol. So we heard from Josh Heupel. We'll hear from him again here in this segment as well. But about the scrimmage on Thursday. Big takeaway from that press conference. The defense showed up. The defense did well. So my question is though, but you also you know went over some of the notes and we discussed some of the notes that I've heard from people that you know had eyes on it. My question is this, did the defense win the day, or did the offense just kind of stumble, stumble all over itself? I think that you know maybe both can be true. Sure, I think the defense is getting better. I think the defense is miles and miles and miles and miles and miles and miles and miles, and miles times 100 more miles, times better than where it was in it left off in spring. Obviously, you add player personnel, you get players back from injury, you get guys more adapted to the scheme, all that type of stuff. And we'll hear from Josh Heupel on just that here in a moment. So I, I'm not saying the defense didn't come out and do some good things today. I mean, I wasn't there. I didn't watch. But that very well could be the case. But also, when the offense is so sloppy, when the offense is struggling with penalties, when the offense is not communicating with one another, when a quarterback is not necessarily doing anything to separate themselves from one another, you know, I, I think that both can be true a little bit. So, you know, w- w- based on what we've heard so far from from this podcast – did the offense win it, or did the defense win it, or did the offense kind of stumble all over itself? And and again, none of us were there, so none of us can really accurately say for sure that this happened. That's the beautiful thing about preseason camp. Now, when they get out there on the field, we can certainly have these conversations because you, me, your mom, and everybody else around the world is watching that game. Well, I don't want to say the world. Tennessee's not really high up on the old uh, NCAA football you know, viewer watch list right now, but you know what I'm saying. So that's kind of my question of the day to kind of ponder on right now. Defense win it, offense lose it. Is it okay if it's both? I think in, in scrimmage number one, both can be true, but a long way to go. Uh, let's go ahead and play that audio about Josh Heupel talking about the defense and how it is just a, a completely different room uh, considering where it left off in spring. Here is Josh Heupel talking about the progression of the defense. First day of pads, uh, where we were at last spring to, to where we are now, We've it's a different group. Uh, it's different on the practice field, physicality, um, you know, playing upfield, uh, disrupting and changing the line of scrimmage. Uh, most importantly, it's just a different group inside the meeting room. You know, who they are, uh, accountability factor every single day, their consistency, their work habits, their ability to learn, uh, their ability to to want to play for the guy next to them and do it right, and, and accountability in that room is, is completely different. And that's why it'll be different on the field, too. Now, how much of the offense and defense have you installed yet, Josh Heupel, in terms of the offensive playbook, the defensive playbook, so far into camp. Of course, you had those 15 practices in spring. I liked his answer to this, and this is something Jimmy Himes talked about on the Sports Animal as well, and on Sports Talk in his afternoon slot. I liked his answer. Give this give this a listen, and then we'll discuss his answer after this. We got a huge portion of it uh, on both sides of the line of scrimmage, offense and defensively. I think as you go through the course of the season, you're going to continue to grow and evolve and find ways to, to attack people on the other side of the line of scrimmage as you game plan. Um, you know, there's no set playbook. This is all we do and only what we do. You got to continue to evolve as, as uh, the game changes, as your opponent changes, 
and uh, you find out more about your, your personnel. So the part about that that I like is that you're always evolving. Of course you're always evolving. That's why you watch film. That's why you break down tendencies. Josh Heupel sitting there with a clicker watching every single snap of that defense of, for whoever the opponent is on Saturday, every single snap of defense of that uh, that, that defense has played this year. You know, what does it do? Who's the weak link? You're going to scheme up around it. So you're taking your playbook and your schemes and you're evolving it week by week by week. Also, just like we talked about in the, in the segment prior, you're learning more about your guys too. Which guys handle things better in this situation? Which guys are better off in the red zone? Which guys are better on third downs? All that type of stuff. So a good chunk of it or a huge portion of it, whatever Josh Heupel said in that quote, <laughs> I can't remember. Um, CTE, am I right? I'm not going to joke about that, but a football player got hit in the head a lot. I'll move on. Um, the point of the matter is, you, you put all that in, but it, it's ne- you're never done. Like, it's never set. And the same can be known for defense as well. I mean, you know, you go out there, you have a set plays, you have responsibilities on set plays, but you can tweak it week to week. You can change things week to week. And that's a beautiful thing about a playbook. So I liked his answer there, and I hope you, I did a, a decent job of kind of explaining that if, if you didn't get it from what Heupel said. All right, so let's move on. Uh, something that I've known about a theme a little bit here with Josh Heupel when he's taking the podium or Cody Burns, whoever it is, some names are consistently being brought up in the wide receiver room. Of course, we know about Jalen Hyatt. We know about Bayless Jones. But there are two other names in Jimmy Colloway and Cedric Tillman that continue to be mentioned. Here's Josh Heupel from Thursday morning. Our guys have, have made competitive plays uh, throughout the course of, of, of training camp. Um you know, Cedric Tillman's a guy that uh, has made a bunch of competitive plays. Uh, Javante starting to get more comfortable in what we're doing, being a new guy. Uh, those 15 practices that he missed in spring, you know, he's just getting his feet in the ground and, and completely understanding what we're doing. His, um, you know, history of having played in this league, I think, helps him with just the competitive nature of it. You know what I mean? Lining up, getting off man press and those types of things. Uh, we've seen it consistently uh, throughout the course of training camp. Um, you know, I think there's some young guys that got to continue to to push, climb, and uh, and make some more of those competitive plays. But that's a huge part of of playing that position, and needs to be a huge part of our success is being able to come down with that 50-50 ball. You don't have to tell me. I mean, I I think Jimmy Callaway was the best guy at spring practice a couple months ago. I think he's off to a good camp, and I continue to be impressed by Cedric Tillman from what little I've seen. If he was just a little faster, he'd be an issue. He's big, he's physical, and I really do believe he will be a big-time target in the red zone. Someone asked me, I did a chat Thursday night at VolQuest.com, someone asked me, is Tillman going to be just a situational top player in the red zone, or like that type of player, or is he contending for snaps? I, I think both. I mean, the way the coaches are talking, I'd say he's contending for legitimate snaps. And I think that he'll play legitimate snaps, but I also think that he is built uniquely that you could use him in certain situations. And so I think that's maybe what Cedric Tillman will bring in this in this deep wide, you know, wide receiver room that is the Tennessee wideouts. All right, a couple of things. Josh Heupel did say that Karon Calvert has undergone surgery. Again, he uh, reportedly a bicep injury. People we spoke to believe it's a torn bicep. Uh, Josh Heupel says that he will be out an extended period of time, uh, potentially, likely rather, loss for the season. Heupel didn't say that, but he said extended period of time. I wanted to bring note to that. That's the first confirmation we've had about Karon Calvert. None of these assistant coaches will go on record for dismissals or for injuries because they'll leave that up to the head coach and so when when the head coach comes around we we get to get confirmation on that so that's on Karon Calberts and here's what Josh Heupel had to say when asked about Brian Maurer if Brian Maurer is a part of the team what is his uh, update here's Josh Heupel on Brian Maurer yeah, I just had an initial conversation with him at, at some point a few days ago as far as uh, the reps and how those things were going to be divided up uh, 
no further update on, on him. Uh, we'll have a conversation with him during the uh, the off day here. And again, I don't think that you know we're going to have clarity on this one one way or the other until probably the next time we hear from Heupel, um, or unless Brian Mauer goes out on social media and makes a post. Uh, here's the thing. I, again, we, we talked about on this podcast. I've talked about on the Sports Animal, BallQuest.com. People you know, that we're hearing from, it, it's, it's likely he's not going to be back with the team. Um, it very well could have been a situation where the coaches said, hey, Here's your reps. We're taking these reps away from you. This is where the pecking order is. We see we might not know who the, we might not know who the starting quarterback is right now, but we know it's not you. So we're gonna take your reps away. Just giving you a heads up. It might have been one of those situations to where you know, hey, you might want to go look around. You might want to try to find another home, an opportunity to go play somewhere else. Maybe take a couple of days and think it over. I, I I don't know, but it might have been one of those situations. I said yesterday the way the roller coaster of emotions Brian Mauer's been on, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he came out and scrimmaged. <laughs> if he came out and scrimmaged uh, yesterday, he didn't do that. He he's, it was not at practice Wednesday. He was not at the scrimmage Thursday. We'll have to see eyes on him to see if he's there on Saturday. But point remains, I still don't believe he'll be back with the team, but you can never rule it out. Uh, but he is away from the team, and Josh Heupel says that um, uh, he will have another conversation. As you heard right there, you talk to him. They're going to talk again on the off day, which is today. And uh, there'll be some resolution moving forward. So, uh, regardless of whatever, whichever way it goes, you, you hope the best for Brian Mauer and best of luck moving forward. Whether likely that's not here, but if, even if it is here, best of luck moving forward. All right. So that's a lot of Josh Heupel. That's a lot of scrimmage notes. Scrimmage one is in the books. Tennessee will practice. Tennessee is off today. Tennessee will practice on Saturday, and then Tennessee will scrimmage on Tuesday. We don't have the week two schedule, or we don't have the next week schedule up just yet. We just do know that they will scrimmage on Tuesday. So uh, that'll do it here for Football Talk in segments one and two. We're going to hear from Ryan Trace in segment number three, Ryan Tracy in segment number three on Trey Smith. He's the host of Locked on Chiefs. How is Tennessee, excuse me, how is Chiefs Kingdom adapting to Trey Smith? It is a crossover segment in segment three, meaning I'm taking the interview, putting it in my podcast. He's taking the interview, putting it in his podcast. Both of us are asking questions to one another. Hope you enjoy it. That's coming up in segment number three. Before we get there, though, bet online. Fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports actions. Did you see the Field of Dreams broadcast last night? You guys know me. I'm a baseball nut. I sit here. I type in my computer. I talk in a microphone. And over my left shoulder, I've got this pretty sweet setup in my office. Over my left shoulder, I've got a, a flat screen TV mounted on the wall. It's baseball every single night. As I'm recording this podcast right now in real time, I've got the Field of Dreams game between the Yankees and the White Sox over my left shoulder. It's awesome. Field of Dreams, the entrance was incredible. But you know what I did before I knew of this spectacle happening? I went online and I took the total, and I'm about to win me some money because... If you took the over, my goodness gracious, I mean, you knew it's a little bit of a smaller park, these slugging teams, over, over, over. I did all that at betonline.ag, and you can too for the games tonight, the games tomorrow, the games moving forward. Head on over to the website or on your mobile device, sign up today, and get all the information, all the lines, all the futures on whatever sport you want. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in the game. Put some coin in your pocket. Use that promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All you have to do, promo code Locked On. 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's at Bet Online AG. Bet Online. It's your online sportsbook experts. And I know you guys saw the latest name, image, and likeness deal that happened yesterday. And I know when you guys saw it, you said, hey, where have I heard from Bill Bar? Where have I heard from Bill Bar? Oh, yeah. Locked on balls and canner. He tells me about Bill Bar all the time. Bill Bar shouts to you, making a difference. BYU. Every walk on at BYU is now going to be. Had their tuition, their room and board, their books, 
all paid for thanks to Built Bar. If that, tell, if that doesn't tell you about the company and the people behind it that's running that company, I don't I don't know what else will. They great people, great company looking out for you. I saw that and I grin with pride because I know that we are a part of the Built Bar family and Built Bar is making a difference in those student athletes' lives. Could you imagine coming up and saying, hey, I'm a walk-on, I'm paying however much to go to BYU, you know it's not cheap, and this company saying, hey, we're going to take care of that for you, not only you, but all the rest of you walk-ons, we're going to take care of that for you. Shout out to Bill Bar, that is awesome. While we're talking Bill Bar, I need you to head on over to BillBar.com, use the promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your first order again at BillBar.com. What are Bill Bars? You guys know, but if not, I'll tell you. A protein bar that looks and tastes like a candy bar. It's covered in 100% chocolate, nine original flavors, plus the limited time flavors. Why is Bill Bar so good for you? Well, 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs, all amazing flavors, all tasty and all healthy. One more time, locked on 15 for 15% off your first order. That's all at BuiltBar.com. All right, welcome back into Locked On Vols and Locked On Chiefs. I'm Eric Kane, along with Rod Tracy, and uh, really glad to uh, to be here. And we're doing a little bit of a crossover here, talking about Trey Smith, of course, former Tennessee uh, all, freshman All American, All SEC guard, and the six round pick for the Kansas City Chiefs, and making the headways in uh, Chiefs training camp. And and Ron, I, I appreciate. It. I've been wanting to catch up with you for the last few days now. You know, what's it look like on, on Chiefs front, just kind of getting to know the player that is Trey Smith? It's it's really interesting because he is one of now three rookies that looks to be starting on this particular offensive line. And he's the guy that we kind of all set apart a lot of buffer to let him learn, let him adjust. You know, when I did his film breakdowns pre-draft, I know that he's got some athleticism. He's certainly got his tenacity. But fitting into what we thought the offense was going to be was going to be a little bit challenging for him, right? Well, in the meantime, they've revamped. And I think what we're going to see not only in the preseason games, but definitely come the season, they're going to use more of the strengths that he's akin to in their game than maybe we've seen in years past. I think that's a big plus for him. He's going to be a linchpin in getting drive off of the ball, which has been something they haven't been able to do the last couple of years. Well, so far, when you've seen them in, in, in training camp uh, early on, I know that it took a while to get in the pads, but been in the pads for quite some time right now. I mean, as he obviously he stood out. I mean, I saw the depth chart released, and uh, he's slated right there at right guard. What has he done well uh, so far in training camp? He's really fixed the one thing that I was concerned with him coming out in that he's not on the ground as much. He's, he looks like he keeps his balance better. He's trimmer. He's dropped probably from looking from film. We don't have this confirmed, but somewhere between 25 pounds and maybe a touch more. You know, he's moving better in an offense that demands that you move better. Um, I think the zone blocking looks better when they run that. Clearly, I think he's a little bit more at home in the power gap type stuff. But overall, it's been a really pleasant surprise, especially when you consider he's going up against. Um, an unretired veteran in Kyle Long who ended up getting hurt, but there's one guy you had slotted in there. Then you have another returning veteran, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, who's played a ton of snaps for this team. Yeah. Now, Trey managed to stay in front of both of them, and that's significant. So I think uh, anybody who wants to follow him to the next level is going to be pleasantly surprised with how much you get to see him in year one. Now, coming into the draft, it, I mean, I, Trey was kind of all over the board. Some mocks had him in the third round. Some mocks had him in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, just because of the medical concerns. How much did you know about Trey Smith? You said you did your research prior to the draft. And did you think that the Chiefs could realistically select a guy like Trey Smith? 
I was comfortable with it. I come from a strength conditioning physiological background. So knowing that the team physicians at Tennessee had worked that out and he was able to play, controlling blood clots is, is a blood chemistry issue. If you can get that narrowed down medically, you generally are going to be okay unless you are doing some kind of like creatinine supplementation or you let yourself get too dehydrated. Things that are clinically really significant, they, they, there's a lot of education around both at Tennessee and now in Kansas City. Um, for me, I wasn't too worried about it. I was more worried about fitting into the zone base offense and being able to handle stunts in particular that go to his outside. So I had him at the top of day three as a high fourth rounder on my board. So what's been the reaction from the fan base in, in Chiefs Kingdom, kind of knowing Trey Smith's story, knowing everything that he's had to overcome, getting back onto the field, and then, again, adversity strikes once again with the NFL draft. And it just feels like, and of course this is coming from a ball's perspective, but it feels like one of the best stories in, in all of NFL training camp. It's love at first sight. It really is. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, Kansas City is a Midwest town that is a sucker for a good story. You know, even to the point where sometimes we get a little ahead of ourselves in promoting guys that maybe don't have it physically at this level. But when you put it all together with his style of play, which is something that's been so lacking in Kansas City uh, for the last several years, that's just, you know, a wish fulfilled for the fan base. And it's been very, very quick to happen. I want to know from you, like, are you surprised at the transition that he's been able to make and the changes that he seems to be putting in place? Not one bit. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that you know we've we've covered him. Remember when he was a when he was a high school recruit? I mean, he was you know as high as number one in the nation in some in some publications. Coming to Tennessee, starting as a true freshman, you know, going through a coaching change, then coming in with a new regime, hitting the sidelines because of the blood clots, missing some times, battling back, taking some time off again, um, playing left tackle, playing right guard, playing you know left guard, pretty much playing everything but center, seeing just everything he's overcome and doing it at the, at the high level with. With just a great, just attack the day type attitude, and and knowing that really it's a blessing every single day that he's able to go out there and play football. It's just a guy from me, from my vantage point, that just loves the game and is just so appreciative for everything. So, was he disappointed? Absolutely. Is he considering it's a blessing to fall in a great place like Kansas City? I think so too. Yeah, I, I think so too. And, and the marriage of the two sides of the personality, I think, is what really has. A lot of the fan base fired up. It has me fired up, too, to be that physically dominant and a guy that looks for content, that looks to finish that much, but still has the cerebral part that can understand what is maybe the most complex offense in the NFL as a rookie is always a challenge, particularly when you're in an offensive line where you're not the only rookie. And the guy who's making the calls next to you is somebody that you've seen play quite a bit, and you're kind of working together. And I think that that cerebral part of it is probably the thing that gives him the biggest edge here um, in terms of like offensive flavors, has he ever had any problem with any kind of transition to a, a style of play that he's been asked to perform? You know, not not really. Um, it, does he have his strengths? Absolutely, he has his strengths. I mean, he, he he's been asked to play tackle and get out in space and and do that type of stuff, and and he can do it. And he did it at a high level. Plus, I mean, obviously, I mean the SEC is no joke, but of course, it's still not the National Football League, so he was able to do it at a high level. But getting him back into the interior, you know. You, going through that play side gap, taking that step, getting up to the backers and stuff like that. That's kind of his wheelhouse. He's, he's a nasty guy. Um, you know, you know, allowing him to pull and to get out there and kick out some guys in man on the line of scrimmage, allowing him to trap backside, take over a, you know, waylay a one technique that doesn't see it's coming um, and, and really fighting to the whistle. And sometimes after the whistle, but 
you know, in terms of just a, an offensive lineman and what you want and just and something you mentioned too, just just the smarts and the ability to adapt and take coaching and, and take it in stride and go. Um, I think when he was at the Senior Bowl down in Mobile, I, you know, we thought that that really helped him in terms of his stock. And, of course, the reason he, sl- he slid was because of the medical concerns. But, mm-hmm. I mean, you had so many, you know, reviews coming out from coaches and front office personnel and and former players who were saying, man, you know, Trey Smith is is, you know, beyond years in terms of just – not only is he physically dominating and physically impressive, but taking the coaching, what we're doing, and putting it into action right away. And so that's just kind of Trey Smith. Again, he's he didn't have the best coaching here at Tennessee. I don't think that's any secret, especially on the offensive line with Will Friend. Um, I, I think that he's been held back a little bit in that regard, but obviously Trey was a guy that, that can overcome it at that level. Well, I think not to throw any coaching staff under the bus, but I, I think that can be probably most summed up by – his teammate now, the former SEC opponent in Nick Bolton, who played at Mizzou, who got to face him quite a bit. And he's talked about the evolution that he's seen just in this training camp of being more physical, being able to, to do his task, not just in a way that is beating somebody up, but is exactly in line with what the offense demands. And I think really for me, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. You tell me. I think the guy that might reap the best benefits from Trey being a starter is not Patrick Mahomes, but Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. Again, it's just it's weird how things work. You spend, I mean, those two played against each other, you know, I guess back in 20, uh, you know, or a couple years ago, rather. Yeah, uh, somewhere around there. And and again, you mentioned, you know, Bolden and everything, and, and it's just kind of the SEC and the fraternity that it is. But, you know, having a guy in front of you that can do all that and, uh, you know, really for the Kansas City Chiefs, when you spend, you know, a high draft pick on on a position player, a skill player, especially like a running back, you want to protect that investment um, because running backs nowadays are kind of a, a dime a dozen and you don't see a lot of guys get selected that high. And certainly when you want them, you got to you got to protect that. And so just I, I look at it like this. I mean, Kansas City, could they have selected Trey or really any other NFL team? Could, could they have selected Trey Smith well early in the draft? Absolutely. But the fact that he came down to the sixth round, you went ahead and signed him and gave him some guaranteed money that is going to help him out a lot. A lot. You're just getting so much more bang for that buck, and it really, as you point out, it's just gonna it's gonna benefit everybody around him. Again, that was a crossover segment with Ryan Tracy, the host of Locked On Chiefs, and uh, wanted to talk Trey Smith. He is one of the greatest stories in NFL preseason camp right now, and certainly he's making everybody. Uh, here and a part of All Nation, very, very proud. So shout out Trey Smith. Uh, appreciate Ryan Tracy for taking the time and catching up with me here uh, on the Locked On Vols podcast. That's going to do it here for today's show, guys. Now that we're done with Locked On Vols, betting on the SEC, it doesn't have to be a guessing game anymore. If you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast, it's hosted by your boy Q, handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get all the daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. Woo! It's been a been a long show, been a fun show, guys. It was a jam-packed show. Hope you got something from it. Hope you enjoyed the audio. Uh, hope you liked the notes from the scrimmage that um, I was able to try to compile there and, and get out there for us. And uh, we'll know more about this team moving forward. We'll know more about this team certainly on Tuesday. And uh, look forward to uh, bringing you all that coverage here uh, next week. It's been a great week. Thanks again for tuning in. New subscribers, hope you stick around. It's been fun. Plenty of all content coming up over the next few weeks as football it is officially back, my friends. It is officially back. All right, guys, enjoy your weekend and have a great rest of your Friday, everybody.